god, it's MagoCast! Episode 33 for April 2nd, 2006. See why GoDaddy.com is the number one domain registrar worldwide. Now, with your domain name registration, you get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MongoCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. At USA Network, characters are welcome, and even you have what it takes to be a star. Can you believe that? Enter the 2006 Show Us Your Character contest to find out if you're America's most unique character and you could win a chance to be featured on the computer screen, the TV screen, and even the big screen. Enter now at showusyourcharacter.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to MuggleCast 33. I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Shane. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Greg Porter. Wait, Greg Porter? (laughs) Any relation to... (laughs) Muggle neck, Greg? Maybe. Yes or no? Just yes or no? Yeah. Oh, the real. John Noe. Love to be on this episode. <laughs> and America's <laughs> favorite Brit, Jamie Lawrence, is also back, too. It's about time, Jamie. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? It's a bad effort. Before we go anywhere else, first let's check in with Micah Tannenbaum for the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. IvanaLynch.net, a fan site for the actress who will be portraying Luna Lovegood in Order of the Phoenix, has debunked recent rumors of Ivana dropping out of the fifth film. Although the rumors suggest her agent made the departure statement, IvanaLynch.net makes a point of reminding visitors that Ivana doesn't even have an agent. Ivana will be in Order of the Phoenix due out sometime next year. Wednesday morning, the Australian show Sunrise aired an interview with Dan, Rupert, Emma, and Katie on the set of the fifth Harry Potter movie, where they talked quite a lot about filming. And thanks to ExpectoPatronum.com, you can see more photos of Hagrid's hut. I know you've been waiting for those. If you weren't excited enough by the first set, there's now a scarecrow with a pumpkin for a head standing in the vegetable patch. Wow. As we reported a few weeks ago, Harry Potter was nominated for both favorite book for the entire series and favorite movie for Goblet of Fire at the 2006 Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. The series and the movie proved successful, nabbing both the awards. At Wednesday night's British Book Awards ceremony in London, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince was named Book of the Year. The awards are voted on by the public in rolling beat-out autobiographies by the likes of John Peel and Sharon Osbourne. The fourth Harry Potter DVD has proved enormously successful in the UK, where it now holds the title of the fastest-selling DVD ever. Every second on the day of its release, on March 20th, six copies fell into eager fans' hands, and three copies per second were sold in the first six days since the movie hit store shelves. To date, 1.4 million copies have been sold, making it the 7th best-selling DVD of all time. Rupert Grint, along with the Phelps twins, were at the Harry Potter movie Marathon in Rome's Warner Village. The marathon included screenings of the first three Harry Potter movies, and the actors signed autographs between the breaks. J.K.R. recently painted a ceramic egg and donated it to an auction organized by Make Your Mark, a native of the Multiple Sclerosis Society in Scotland. The egg raised 2,600 pounds, and a total of almost 30,000 pounds was raised at the event. Finally, J.K. Rowling has opened the door on her website to give us a test. Not quite sure what all this wombat stuff means, but I am sure we'll find out more in the upcoming week. Be sure to tune in to MogoCast next week as the crew will be discussing J.K.R.'s latest surprise. And before I wrap things up, Emerson and Melissa, I want that toaster back I sent you guys as a wedding gift. That's all the news for this April 2nd, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Alright, thank you, Micah. Uh, now, <laughs> a couple quick announcements. The shortest MuggleCast t-shirt ad ever. Buy a MuggleCast yes, t-shirt today. Excellent. <clears throat> Moving on. Vote for us on Podcast Alley. <laughs> I'm not complaining much because we're in the top ten list now. Uh, don't forget. Brilliant. Thank you for all your emails. We're taking your feedback and putting it to good use. And it's time to uh, put in your RSVPs for Lumos 2006. We Email HP Live. HP Live at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Remember, this doesn't guarantee you a seat. It merely says that you're coming. It lets so. us know. Let's us know some yeah. numbers. HP Live at gmail.com. Really important that everyone uh, tells us if they're coming or not. So and by the way, Jamie Lawrence will be there. Yes, he will, he will. be there. Greg, you coming? Mm. Who? Me? Yeah, you. Are you coming? Hey. Oh, I don't have money. Oh. So, no. Oh, okay. Maybe if you concentrated on selling stuff on your website <laughs> and then changing the layout every other day, you would have money. <laughs> well, actually, 
I'm going on a rather long vacation this summer that's going to take up most to, of well, the layout <laughs> camp. <laughs> layout camp. Yeah. <laughs> layout camp. So like band camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And um Well Andrew, you know that book I published? Yes. Yeah, it cost me more than I make on it. <laughs> oh. So he's got his own book published. Yeah, he is. Buy buy it, buy it. Shadows Like Us by Greg Porter. And, yeah. I'll put a link in the show notes. Ah, that's a good yeah. idea. And uh Zalerstudios.com. Yeah. Yeah. Go back weekly for a brand new layout. You can see Greg hard at work on that <laughs> stuff. Now let's move on to listener rebuttals. Uh, we got a lot of good ones this week. This first one comes from Kimberly of Chattanooga, Tennessee. She writes, "On the last Mugglecast, you said that you could not think of a TV show where they had a story where the story had been a dream, and two examples came to mind. Uh, one was in the 1980s, Dallas, and an entire series that was a dream that killed off Bobby Ewing and the actor Patrick Duffy decided to come back to the show at the end of the season. His ex-wife walked into the bathroom and he was in the shower. It had been a dream." That must have been upsetting. Then also, another example was uh, was Newhart. Bob Newhart starred as an innkeeper in Vermont. The town had lots of crazy characters. In the last episode, you see Bob and Ben, and he waked up. Woke up. This girl's whoa, whoa, very whoa, good at writing. <laughs> when, when he rolls over, his <laughs> wife from his earlier show, the Bob Newhart show, was in bed with him. The entire series had been a dream. How upsetting. And... Well, okay, well, is this about they a saying... They make fun of that, that entire thing on Family Guy. Is this about a saying that... That there wasn't, there hasn't been a TV series or a movie that ends in a dream. Yeah, like over a ten-year period, and then yeah, it'll dream. be a long dream. Yeah. Yeah. Who would run after J.K. Rowling? Yeah. To bring her down. <laughs> yeah. Next email. Hi, I have a listener rebuttal to do with episode 32. You were talking about the pronunciation of Knuts. I, I know the Scholastic site says it's Knuts, but when Joe was reading Haplin Prince in Edinburgh, she, pronoun- she pronounced it as nuts, no K. Um, I meant to get confirmation on this, but yeah, Jamie, what's your take on it? I think it's... I think... Canutes is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my too. life. I can't believe it after I read the... So sorry, no, after I listened to the Scholastic site, I thought there had been some kind of error. Canutes, it just... It doesn't sound right at all. Nuts is clearly it. And, <laughs> Andrew, it's Edinburgh, not Edinburgh. Oh, sorry, Jamie. I'd like to make that out. It's Edinburgh. It's okay, don't worry. I completely forgive you. Oops, it's Edinburgh. Sorry, sorry. Well, maybe... <laughs> for some reason, uh, Scholastic thinks it should be Canutes, and over in England, I think it should be Nuts. <laughs> Yeah, but nuts, how can you say canutes? It's like galleons... Newt no, sounds better, I think. Galleons, sickles, and canutes. Oh, yeah, that flows really well. Yeah. Uh, Good yeah. point. Sickles, yeah, and galleons. <laughs> and just like, the, the classic the pronunciation guide also says rubeus. I know, I know. <laughs> rubeus, like, rubeus. The woman is so rubeus. softly spoken, you canutes. can hardly hear her. Canoes. She couldn't actually get more softly spoken. I think yeah, she's a she machine. Yeah. Rebellious. All right. <laughs> yeah, one of those free ones. Well, there you go. Uh, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Zanab, 15 from Milton, Ontario, Canada. Eh, eh, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. I was, I was actually, it says hi, but I was just wondering yeah. about the music you play during the audio comments. What is it called? I absolutely adore it for some random reason. This is just to fan Andrew's ego, this is. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it is. That's all it is. No, I, I just want to say, I added this because we get so many of these emails, believe it or not, and I'm not joking. Um, I made this, I made it in soundtrack. It's it's one layer of music with three different guitar riffs. Wow. So, wow. Um, I'll be releasing it on a CD for thirty nine <laughs> <laughs> Shipping, $30 as well. Uh, $50 <laughs> to ship it to England. So, if you want it, please email under tap.mongonet.com. I'll be happy to mail you a 20-minute version. 20-minute <laughs> loop. 20-minute version. <laughs> loop it yeah. The CD costs a thousand canutes. <laughs> yeah. There you <laughs> go. Put that in the or, CNN money converter. Or ten nuts. A thousand canutes or ten nuts, yeah. okay? Whichever you prefer. Yeah. Next one comes from FJ22 of North Carolina. Hi, you guys analyzed Hagrid's comment that there weren't a witcher wizard that went bad that wasn't in Slytherin and tried to apply that to the case of Pettigrew. You have to remember, though, that no one knew Pettigrew was alive, not even Dumbledore. Granted, that was gross over-exaggeration. However, it's not the sort of comment that can be analyzed that that way because Hagrid didn't have all the information on Pettigrew. He's a special case because he faked his own death rather successfully. I just assume that um, that comment um, 
there wasn't a witch or wizard that went bad that wasn't in Slytherin. I mean, obviously, it means that, you know, every single witch or wizard that went bad came from Slytherin, but does that mean that there have been some good people who, who have come from Slytherin? Or that every single person from Slytherin is bad? They can't all be bad. Yeah. That'd be what we call... Here in America, we call it the stereotype. What are you talking about, Ben? Stereotyping. Well, if you if you if you say that everyone who goes in Slytherin, I'm not stereotyping. Not I'm. It's a stereotype. It's like saying every every Muslim's a terrorist. Ben, I'm not stereotyping. I'm generalizing. <laughs> oh yeah. Get it right. Get it right. <laughs> no generalizing yeah. is allowed on Monkey Cast. That was one of our yeah. rejected yeah. slogans, actually. Loads of generalizing is uh, good. Then we thought, no, it doesn't actually work. None of these book nerds will think it's cool. <laughs> All right. Gen- generalizing is cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks for rebuttal. Let's put that on a t-shirt. All right. The last from from several people. We have found where Eric was trying to figure out where on earth Mimblewimble came from. And it turns out, thanks to quite a few people who realized, who recalled that it comes from the Chamber of Secrets video game. What, there's a spell... Is it called Mimblewimble, or they, do they say Mimblewimble? The Mimblewimble spell. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> I'm going to Mimblewimble you. We'll add that one. Tinky Winky and all the rest of the Teletubbies. Yeah. <laughs> Lala's going to Mimblewimble you. It's amazing how, like, you'll, you'll hear it once, and then it'll come back to you, but you can't exactly put your finger on it. Greg asks a really cool, good question, um, which I kind of wanted to talk about, too. Does JKR have anything to do with the games? Does the game producers say, hey, we want something like Flipindo. We want something to flip something around. And th- does she write them, or, or what? What is That it? is the most annoying spell ever in creation. <laughs> if, especially, especially in the first game. Flipendo! You had to use that spell yeah. every single time. It drove me nuts. Yeah. I hated the games. The games are weak. But you know what? It's these, <laughs> it's these game developers who absolutely hate Harry Potter, so they could care less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, I do know that most authors have no say in their own yeah. games, but J.K. Rowling is at most authors. Yeah. So. Well, it's WB that's making these video games happen, so J.K. Rowling is probably out of the loop. J.K. Rowling! J.K. Rowling, sorry. I don't know why I keep saying it that way, but... Anyway, moving on to the chapter-by-chapter discussion for this week, chapters 6 and 7. We continue to take your feedback and put it to use, and this is is revision 3 of (laughs) chapter-by-chapter. So, starting off, chapter 6, the journey from platform 9 and 3 quarters. Congratulations, Andrew, you got the title right. Excuse me while I open (laughs) my book and finish this reading. I know, you're done, your chances are. Yeah, you've missed it. Here, (laughs) I'll be Jim Dale already, Farrick. Harry's last month with the Dursleys was not fun. True, Dudley was now so scared of Harry, he wouldn't stay in the same room. Jim Dale's American. (laughs) Yeah, but... I swear he sounds like that, though. Yeah, he he definitely does. If you want a real British accent, do Stephen Fry, who did the British ones. I never heard him speak before. Yes, you have. You must have. Oh, I heard him on the little interview with JKR, but I don't remember what his voice sounds like. So we're introduced to a lot of new characters uh, this chapter, and... A lot, of, a lot of new items, particularly. We're introduced to Ron, Neville, Fred and George, Ginny, Charlie and Bill, Mrs. Weasley, of course, Crab and Goyle. We see more Draco and Quidditch. And we see the, and we also start to see the crazy side of magic with the, with the birdie bots, every flavored beans, and the chocolate frogs. I have, I have, so, I have some notes, some of my notes here. Sorry. Page ninety-one of the UK so, edition is where we first the hear the UK edition. No, excuse me, the US edition. Sorry, right, of okay. the and, right. and um, Molly Weasley first here talked, packed with muggles, of course. And then it's basically this is where we first meet the Weasleys, yeah. and I just like to point out how she's already sort of. You like you get like uh, the impression of what she is, how she is, and how she's motherly. That is true. That is very true. And I thought that mm-hmm. it might be nice to point that out. Yeah. This is when we first see her, you know, be motherly. And then another thing, another personality thing that happens on this page is Fred and George. You see, they they start becoming jokesters, where they mention yeah, the know, toilet seat. I'm stuff, Fred. Yeah. yeah, and that stuff like that. Well, on on page ninety three of the U.S. edition is something else I notice is where we, where we get our first description of what Ron looks like. And it says he was tall, thin, and gangly, with freckles, big hands and feet, and a long nose. And sometimes I think we all forget that that's what Ron actually looks like because of the perception of Rupert Grint. You know, Rupert Grint's stocky, has these broad shoulders, and he's not really yeah, that much taller than Dan Radcliffe, who plays Harry. So I just thought it'd be nice to point that out, too. 
Yeah. Doesn't say anything about his hair, though, although, judging by the covers, we sort of get the gist of it. Well, I'd like to move to page 96. Like like Andrew said at the very start of the of the introduction to the to the segment, that throughout this chapter we get a nice a nice perception of all the new characters that we're going to see. For example, like I, like I mentioned, the Weasleys, Hermione, Neville, all of these people. And something important that we learn about Percy, who becomes very important in the future books, this happens on page 96 of the U.S. edition, where he says, Can't stay long, Mother. I'm up, I'm up front. The prefix have got two compartments to themselves. You know, I think it's just another... It's the first demonstration we see of him him being really pompous and pretty arrogant about the position he holds. And I think that there have been a lot of parallels drawn between him and Tom Riddle. And I think that this this is basically starts the whole you know, the whole role into the the power hungry Percy who's just after who's after the highest position he can possibly have. Yeah. Do you guys agree with me there or <laughs> Kind of silent. No, I think I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, and also the way he just says, "I can't stay long, mother." It just seems really, really informal. Not the kind of. I mean, sorry, really, really formal. It doesn't seem like the kind of way you talk to your. To me, it sounds like like he's trying too hard. I wouldn't anyway. I'm a big mummy's boy. Yeah, it sounds like he's trying too hard to be um, real. Yeah. Nice and. You know, I'm this perfect kid. Yeah, he's very pompous. That, that's what I wrote in my notes. Yeah, wrote, pompous is. Percy. And then Fred and George try to rip on him and have a little fun, and he goes, "Oh, shut up." Yeah. And that—that's really the last we see of him until they arrive at Hogwarts, as we'll see later in chapter yeah. what seven, and the chapter six. Can I go yeah. on to? Okay, page seventy-six of the UK edition. Oh um, I can. Uh... No, 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 no. I'll just. I'll just tell you yeah, what happens. It, we'll find it's it. where it's where they buy all the chocolate and stuff from oh, okay. the lady with the uh, trolley. Now this is going to sound like I'm really overanalyzing stuff, and I'm mm-hmm. sure I am. But that cost him all the stuff. He got one of everything, right, on that trolley. But there was a lot of stuff there, and that cost him roughly three pounds nineteen, which is about I don't know seven dollars, six dollars, which seems not very much for how much he bought. Yeah. The thing. So. I was just wondering, like, I mean, it, it seems weird that, like, each galleon is worth about £5, so about $10. And it seems like if you wanted to buy something, like, really, really big, it would seem difficult to pl- to pay in normal wizarding money. Like, if you wanted something that cost, I don't know, £10,000, it would, it would be an awful lot of galleons that you couldn't really keep in one vault in Gringotts. I don't know. I just... I mean, true. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just, I just thought I'd try and mention it. And also, well, he probably felt like it was a lot to him because he's had so little. It doesn't say one exactly. I, well, I don't know if it does in UK actually, but in no, no, US edition, it just says, it says something some. of everything. But um, this yeah. leads to like one more point. That I mean, Snape in Half Blood Prince, we see lives in London, yeah, or he has a house in London where he stays. Yeah, and surely yeah. he can't. L- you know, like, stay in London without spending more money and going to muggle shops and buying stuff like that. So, I, where he gets his cash from, but... Sh- well, there's well, does there's he? probably currency currency conversion at Gringotts, I'm sure, just like What's you would go to any then? bank What's to get it, I your mean, currency how converted. How strong is the, is the wizarding money? Well, I'm sure there's some. There's some. I mean, like... That's true. I don't know about well, that. Well, I mean, would Snape really need it? Like, do the Weasleys need it? They can't or magic do, everything, though. I'm sure Joe's just seems made it clear like, that you can't just conjure anything you need out of, out of thin air. I mean, you have to acquire it, and there has to be some things that you can't acquire solely in the wizarding world. Like, I mean, if a wizard... I mean, there have to be some really, really in-tune wizards who like plasma TVs and big, you know, s- s- stuff like that. So they have to buy it. You can't buy that from Diagon Alley, I don't think. So you must have to go to, like, a Panasonic shop or something like that and pay with... Say like that forty-inch yeah. <laughs> rear projection TV, and I'll pay with I'll pay with ten thousand galleons, you know. So I just want to about yeah, yeah. Snape walking yeah. into a Best it's Buy. Like a twenty-inch LCD Snape monitor really with a yeah. <laughs> I want to visit MuggleNet. <laughs> I mean, that was completely yeah. um, overanalyzing. Who, who's playing me in the movies? <laughs> no, but um. Good point. Well, oh, something, something. Who's to say he I doesn't have. have a house elf or some other way of acquiring? Like, I can't picture 
uh, Snape going among the Muggles. It just doesn't seem right. And I would imagine that he doesn't. No, no, like no. Muggles. I agree. I agree. But there has to be some way of buying stuff from a Muggle world, or lo- eBay, or just like conversing w- with Muggles. <laughs> what? eBay. <laughs> eBay. Yes, exactly. I've always yeah. wondered what that. the Wizard Wireless Network is because it's not yeah. really described that well. Didn't she say that wizards have some way of communicating with people that's much much better, better than, than, than the internet? Yeah, yeah that, the Wizard Wireless Network. She probably has to think it up first that. before she actually. <laughs> yeah. She can say anything, but you, know, you can't explain <laughs> it. Something that I noticed on page 99 of the U.S. edition is throughout the entire series, there's always this. They always draw a parallel between the killing curse and a green light, and Harry just describes it. When Ron asks him what when Ron asks him what he remembers, he says, "I remember a lot of green light, but nothing else." And I thought it was interesting to point out that the killing curse is always associated with green light, and I've never quite understood why. And coincidentally, green is also one of the house colors of Slytherin. Mm. Yeah. But it could be like, I mean, could you say that, I mean, if you're killed by Avada Kedavra, you can't remember anything, obviously, because you're dead. But um, Harry sort of came back from a near-life experience. I mean, can you liken it to, like, drowning and then being brought back to life by, you know, the um, paramedics? And people who, who have had that say that they've gone down a tunnel, you know, and they see all the experiences of, of their life. I, you could sort of half liken that to the green light, you know, so, like, I don't know if Harry sees anything, but... No, no, no. I'm under the impression that the the killing curse actually shoots oh, yeah, a green yeah. light out of the wand. Yeah, we see that in Goblet yeah. of Fire, don't we? Yeah. At the end with Voldemort's, Voldemort's wine? Is what green? type of green is it? But, I is mean, it like think about... dark, dull green, or is it uh, neon green? <laughs> neon? With specks of white and flowing No, I think it's like trails. neon. Sorry. I don't know, but just, like, think about it as symbolism. What, what do you think when sick. you see green? Well, money for some people, but... Jealousy. Jealousy. It, red is more... Green's jealousy. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Page 102. Something else that Skipping I noticed all here. Over the place. We're oh, still on the train. It's moving right forward. Now. <laughs> We're moving forward, at least. Okay, page 102 yeah. is where we first Jump. see the chocolate frog cards. And this may not seem that significant, but in Order of the Phoenix, Dumbledore mentions that let him do anything, but just don't take me off the chocolate frog cards. And here, Ron says, chocolate frogs have cards inside them, you know, to collect famous witches and wizards. And he tells how he has 500 himself. And what do you think the significance of being on the chocolate frog card is? And how do you actually earn the the position to be on a chocolate frog card? What do you guys think? Isn't it just, yeah, famous Isn't it just like being famous? Sorry. (laughs) It's just like, you know... But when, um, I mean, we can bring this back to when I, I can't remember, I think it was Bill said that Dumbledore didn't mind what they did to him as long as they didn't take him off the Chocolate Frogs card, cards. Everyone thought that was a joke, but then I read that it could be because it's a way of yeah, communicating with people. But didn't we discuss a theory sure on that or something? That. I, I think we did, but I don't know. I think it's just that he likes being on the Chocolate Frogs cards. Is it, You know, it's a kind of um, recognition of him, I think, because... Merlin's on there. You know, famous yeah, type thing. On there. And we have to move on here since we sort of covered that. On page 102 to 103 is where they, they actually look at a chocolate frog card of Dumbledore, and it says that he's particularly famous for his defeat of the Dark Wizard, Dark Wizard Grindelwald in 1945. I think we might have talked about Grindelwald before. We shouldn't get into but this. But do you think it's, any, do you think it's any coincidence <laughs> that... It happened in 1945, and that's when the end of World War II was. I think J.K. Rowling got asked a question of whether sometimes the Wizarding Wars coincide with the Muggle Wars. I think she said they do, to an extent. I think so. I mean, at the beginning of Half-Blood Prince, what was everyone thinking about? Well, war. (laughs) (laughs) No. I don't know. I just it just brought back to me. It felt like I know. I'm sure this isn't true. I just think J.K. Rowling was sort of almost making a political statement because the only thing I could think about was the whole war thing going on right now. Yeah. And this book just happens to come out in the first chapter or so is covering the war. It's 
I, I, you make a good point. Who who could Grindelwald be, though? Because, I mean, it's been, like, visited in the past that, you know, the Nazis have kind of, have some kind of magic element. Like in, um, in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know, Indiana Jones and the, um, the other one. Lost Ark? What's Re- the other one? Yeah. Not the Temple of Tomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ark of, the, Ark of the Covenant one. So I don't know if that's, you know, it's a kind of going down that route, or it, or it's just like, like Grindelwald was a Nazi sympathizer, and it was like that. I mean, and he he isn't automatically on the German side. It's just that why else would Dumbledore that defeat seems him? Like a, some kind of uh, conclusion. Yeah. Well, the Germans weren't the only um, Axis power yeah. in World War Two. Oh, and and another thing that I'd like to bring up about Grindelwald. Is it says that he has been defeated, but does that truly mean yes? Does that truly mean he's killed, gone? Yeah. Because take for example Voldemort. Everyone said that he that he was defeated by Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but does that mean that Grindelwald is gone? Voldemort came back, so is it possible for Grindelwald to experience the same thing? I read an extremely interesting theory once that Grindelwald was really the big dark lord, hmm. and that you know Voldemort was just one other person but I don't know if that's true and that could that seems a little far-fetched since you know she's only got yeah. one more book and it will be hard to explain all that in it but I don't know I mean would, I think that's I mean, pure speculation would we want to see this guy coming back like yeah. that you were just asking I think <laughs> I think it would I think it would cause too much trouble, trouble because think about all the loose ends she already has to tie up now yeah. and, and how much that would add yeah. to it and how big of and a also, problem it would cause mm-hmm. but it it could be that Voldemort's only scared of Dumbledore because he uh, defeated Grindelwald, maybe. And for all we know, defeated or something like think, that. Yeah, he a lot of people himself. think that Harry actually defeated Voldemort, as in they he killed him, and that that's that was a lot of the perception. But you yeah. know, then there was always the the skeptics who yeah, thought no, course, that's yeah. not true. But I think we need to move on before we're on this. Well, hold on, I mean, let me just say one Can more I, thing. Um, There's if Dumbledore is being recognized for defeating this guy, and according to this chocolate card, it's a dark wizard, he must be a huge dark wizard. Yeah, I don't right, think we you mentioned don't hear you, it's a you dark don't hear wizard. him being as talked about as no. much as Voldemort. Maybe he's more because, unspeakable. <laughs> because he's being... Or they just don't want to because yeah. of something that happened. I, it, it'd be like us being afraid of saying Hitler's name because he might come back, yeah. that type of thing. yeah. Well, but then again, there's, we know there's no way to resurrect the dead. But then, and even so, Hitler's yeah, not something that comes up in conversation very often in school or anything. So mm-hmm. it would only come up in school, I mean. So it's not something you just go to your friends and talk about, like, hey, Hitler. And yeah. So maybe Grindelwald's just the same way. It's just long gone. Nobody really thinks about it much anymore. That's true. I don't know. Because it'd have to be the people's grandparents the students Hogwarts, their grandparents who were dealing with Hitler. Yeah. I mean, not Hitler, yeah. but Grindelwald, not their parents like it is now because the aura still lingers. Mm-hmm. Page 105 is where we get our description of Hermione, and here it says, She had a bossy sort of voice, lots of bushy brown hair, and rather large front teeth. And what I'd like to bring up here is that this sort of – it gives us the whole perception of Hermione from the start of the series. Yeah. And you see her, you see her going around bossing everybody around, sort of telling Ron – that's not a real spell, that type of stuff. And I think that, yeah. that it shows us oh, how uptight she was that. at the beginning. And then as the series progresses, we see how she, she starts to loosen up. And I'm sure we'll get into that later on in other chapters in future books. But I think it's interesting to point out how uptight she is to start the series. And how, she, you know, I've memorized all the coursework yeah. front to back mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Can I go somewhere from that as well? I was going to say that... Um, after Ron tries the spell on uh, Scabbers, he says afterwards that George gave him the um, spell, or was it Fred, and that he knew it was a dud. But uh, the reason, well, I don't know, that the reason the spell didn't work was because Scabbers wasn't a rat. I read that somewhere. And I think that, that could explain it. Because, you know, it was a spell to turn a rat yellow. And everyone thinks it didn't work because it wasn't a proper spell. But it could be that it didn't work because Scabbers oh, wasn't actually a rat. Oh, and another thing I think we have to pay attention to as we're reading, something that may may become an important part of future books, is when J.K. Rowling suddenly makes it clear that Scabbers is in the room or that Scabbers is somewhere nearby. And so any conversation they've had they have is actually being overheard by Peter Pettigrew, which could be, which could become significant yeah, in the future. Very, yeah, so I think brilliant. it's important for us to remember yeah. oh 
geez, if Scabbers is listening to this, this could be very valuable to Voldemort's cause. Yeah. Well, he's certainly going to remember these things. He was lying in waiting, so he had to get information. Peter Pettigrew is sort of like... Sort of like Slughorn, except in a different type of way. You know how Slughorn wants to associate associate himself with the rich and the famous? Pettigrew is the same exact way, where he wants to be involved with powerful with people powerful. like Voldemort, mm-hmm. or whoever can offer him the best. And he's very selfish. It's about what's what's in it for him, and what he can, what can, how he can achieve that in the, the quickest manner possible. But... I've got two points. Well, Sorry, I, just, Sorry. I just want to say that... Uh, Ben, you were saying Hermione's developed. A lot of characters are developed. We can get the gist of what they'll be like throughout the entire series, although we don't know it. I mean, Ron, already he's looking hes looking kind of unsure of himself. Neville, he loses his rat already, so we already know that he's forgetful. Fred and George, we see them joke around. Ginny, we don't really see much, but she's has an interest in Harry a little bit. <laughs> Just wanting yeah, to know. Yeah, she says, can I go see him? Can I go yeah. see him? Draco's a jerk. We already know that. Crab and Goyle, although we're not up to that point yet, we see that they're oh. right up Draco's butt. There's some interesting stuff about um, yeah, so Draco. so many characters yeah. are developed in just this one like, chapter, and by chapter or uh, book seven, we'll be looking back at this book and saying, "Why didn't I notice that?" Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The stuff about Malfoy, though. Um, yeah. Let's keep moving. Train. Let's I, get to I there. Let's had a kind there. of um, what if what yeah. what if question. What if Harry had taken his hand there, Malfoy's hand, and shook his hand, what what would the, um, I mean, do you think the entire series would be different, or do you think he'd still have realised that he didn't like him, and that the well, handshake that... wouldn't really have meant anything, and from sorry, finish, go oh, okay, and from there, after um, after he doesn't shake his hand, he starts off by saying stuff about that if Harry isn't careful, he'll go the same way of his, as his parents. Now that just sounds like sort of an idle threat, you know, that that because he's annoyed that he didn't shake his hand, he just want to be friends with him. But if you read into that, it, it it's actually quite interesting. It's stuff about that they didn't know what was good for them and stuff like that. And I've, I mean, I only reread this about two hours ago, so I'm still trying to like see if that relates to any episodes in the chronology. Well, I think the handshake. But if Harry would have shaken Draco's yeah. hand. That whole scene would have been different, but I think by the time they got to the school and he had learned more about Draco, he would have wished he took that back. Yeah, so he'd been the same. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. No, yeah, long-term. I agree on that. But um, I've got the paragraph now, and it says, "I'd be careful if I were you, Potter." He said slowly, "Unless you're a bit polite, you'll go the same way as your parents. They didn't know." Page one hundred nine, U.S. Either. edition. You hang around with riffraff like the Weasleys and the Hagrid, and it'll rub off on you. It's just like. They didn't know what was good for them either. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of... Oh, I can't think of what, what, what that relates to, but I think there's more to it than meets the eye. Okay, and I hate to move back, <laughs> progressing forward, but on page 106... Oh, God. Hermione, Hermione comes into the train car, and she says, Do either of you know what house you'll be in? I've been asking around, and I hope I'm in Gryffindor. Okay, we talked about this on the Hermione show, where we, just, where we analyzed Hermione, but... Why do you think that she wanted to be in Gryffindor? Just because of the house Dumbledore was in? Or why don't you think she's a Ravenclaw? Do you think there's something because in the future that Hermione is going to display that proves to us that she really does belong in Gryff- Gryffindor, some type of courage, courageous act? Well, I think Hermione uh, yeah. I think Hermione has already been courageous, not in the sense of a true Gryffindor, yeah, but definitely. she's helped Harry try to defeat Voldemort, which not every kid in that school would particularly want to get involved with. Because they could very well yeah. be yeah, harmed I guess too. Right. So, I she, she hasn't proven herself right. Yeah. Yet, um, because in, I think it's in book five after she does a protein to thingy Bob charm on the gold galleons, so that when Harry changes his, everyone else's um, change as well. Um, was it Terry Boot who says who asked why she wasn't in Ravenclaw because the charm is new standard? She says that she doesn't know, and that's. I think that can be a kind of, you know, marker to show that she's going to have to do something extremely courageous and brave to prove that she should have been in Gryffindor. Maybe, like, sacrificing herself to save Harry. Oh, my God. That's true. Bad to think about. Yeah. It could be it. Okay. Moving on here to page 109, where we see Scabbers again in the scene, and here he says... 
Here, J- Joe writes, Scabbers the rat was hanging off his finger, sharp little teeth sunk in deep into Goyle's knuckle. This is when Goyle reaches for the candy and trying to steal it from Harry and Ron. But something I'd like to point out here is that when you think about it, when you finally realize that that all along was Peter Pettigrew and how he was sort of, you know, he had a low self-esteem and how he was sort of picked on in school too that you would assume that maybe it was him sort of, you know, stepping up for the little guys for once yeah. before. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I just thought I found that interesting. You have to wonder how Lucius Malfoy it. had treated him in school. Yeah, definitely. I think that can, doesn't that can, doesn't about conclude chapter six. Uh, I've got one last God, point. Yeah, one last point. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't feel like we were um, making much progress. <laughs> God, James. Why why is it only the first years that go by boat, and why do they need to to go by boat? Why can't they just have a few more thestrals? Maybe but, it's a sort of initiation type thing. Not not really initiation, but orientation. You know, freshman orientation like they have at some high school. I, I where they as they go across the boat, they can see the castle, right. and, you know, get the real experience. And the they're moving is. slow. They get a nice long look at the school and where they're going to be for the next seven years. I don't, I'd rather go up in the uh, horse, you know, invisible horse-drawn carriages because across the lake they can fall in, as uh, Dennis Creevy did. They can bump their heads, as when Hagrid says, you know, mind your heads. And, you know, I don't know. Well, you got to keep perhaps them scared. Right, perhaps it's just, yeah, treat them mean. Just, well, just yeah, I think boats are just a great way of... Uh, Joe, really, now that I think about it, now that we're all thinking about it, I just think that that was a great way to introduce the kids. It's, it's slow. Yeah, yeah. It's starting them off slow. And they get a nice long look. Because when you're nervous, you don't want to be rushed into that school. At least they have time. I mean, who knows how long that boat ride takes? Probably five, ten minutes. But, but were the so. people who came from wizarding families who were used to, you know, magic and all that kind of stuff. Their parents must have told them stories of Hogwarts, so I just don't think they were as nervous as Harry, obviously. But I'd have liked to have seen inside the mind of the other, you know, people as well, just to see how they were feeling there. Okay, this chapter opens with the sorting hat, the sorting ceremony that we hear about every year. Yeah. Almost every year. And this this is where we finally something that I liked at the beginning of this ooh, chapter ooh, 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 ooh. is where we get introduced okay. to the ghosts. Okay, sorry, thank you. Uh, first of all, on page yeah, eighty-six please. of the UK edition, I, I was wondering what had Peeves done wrong that made um, all all of the ghosts talk about you know getting rid of him because um, were they? It's probably the same. You the usual stuff that he. Does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what I thought. Are they referencing a specific? But also, uh, what powers do or... the ghosts have? To I mean, well, if they say we want to get rid of Peeves and Dumbledore doesn't want to get rid of Peeves, I'd have thought that Dumbledore's um, has more power than them. But I don't know. Well, the Bloody Baron has the ultimate no, no, power. He, doesn't he? He doesn't have power over Peeves? him. He, he has personal power. You know, he, he can he can make him do things. But I don't know if he can right. banish him. Right, but, but Peeves has to hold some significance to the castle, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, I agree. I think But going on from there, how do ghosts become house ghosts? Well, I'm. It's sort of probably the same way that someone becomes the head of house. Wouldn't you think? You, th- there's probably some requirements, like you had to be a member of the house during your day. But you have if, to be dead as well, <laughs> right? But, yeah, you have to be, you have to be dead, <laughs> and, and you have to be a ghost. The thing is, is how do, does do they ever change house ghosts? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Maybe there's no rules at all. They just... Four of them... Yeah. They happen to die around the same time, and they be- all became ghosts, and that was it. Yeah. Greg raised an interesting point that Peeves isn't even a ghost. He's a he, he's a poltergeist. I don't know if that just means that poltergeists are intrinsically evil or they're you know just naughty, but it, it is interesting to see that um, Peeves is sort of generally all naughty. But the other ghosts are sort of generally logical, rational, and good. But um, I see Peeves sort of as a young ghost. He's got so much energy in him. Yeah, he does. Yeah, definitely. He's like the kid who died young, and they felt bad for him. So they were like, yeah, well, you yeah. can stay around for a few more hundred years. Oh, and another thing, uh, another thing about Nick is what did he do to get chopped in the head with an axe for <laughs> 500 times or whatever? I don't know. Should we move on? <laughs> oh, 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 can I go? All right, so moving along 
to the yeah, um, Sorting Hat song. I was going to say that about three quarters of the way down. Oh, well, you're really jumping yeah, ahead. Yeah, I know, but, but we, we, we don't have that's, that's I mean, fine. I can wait if you want, but, but yeah, I was going to say... Right. Um, no, there's not much happening here, really. About three quarters of the way down, it says, there's nothing hidden in your head the Sorting Hat can't see. So, can it be that's like creepy. a rudimentary form of Veritaserum? Like, if you put it on, on your head... Uh, no, if you put it on... Barty Crouch's head, would it tell you everything? Like, is it just like an interface that shows you whatever the person's thinking? Can it act like that? Well, it could, couldn't it be like, couldn't it be similar to Legimens or Sorry, was that? Occlumency, rather? But yeah, that's interesting. So, hmm. yeah, but if you ask somebody a question, they can't help but think about w- what you've asked, you know, like, they can't just block it all out. So, I mean, you could do, you could ask somebody a question and then the sorting hat could just suck out what they were thinking at the time. I mean, I don't know. It's just an idea. Maybe there's a pact of confidentiality. Maybe the spell that the sorting hat on is it doesn't allow it to uh, to divulge that information. The sorting hat signed the Official Secrets Act. No, just when the when the founders put a spell on there, maybe they... When they enchanted it, maybe they made it so it, it won't be able to divulge information. Okay. So, moving on to the sorting hat ceremony... So, you know, we see we see a few people. Susan Bones hits Hufflepuff. Terry Boot hits uh, Ravenclaw. Uh, good old Millicent Bulstrode <laughs> comes Slytherin. Um, then we then we get up to then we get up to Hermione. She gets in Gryffindor, all right. Neville gets into Gryffindor. Malfoy gets into Slytherin. Then we get to Harry Potter, and. Um, Last thing Harry sees is the hat. Uh, the last thing Harry saw before that dropped over his eyes was the hall full of people craning to get a look, good look at this guy. Um, and then the sorting hat starts to figure out which house he belongs in. And um, he doesn't say, he doesn't make up his decision, but then Harry starts getting worried because he's really pondering over this. And then uh, Harry starts going, not Slytherin. Not Slytherin. But your first impression is Harry. Harry says not Slytherin, and then uh, Sorting Hat says not Slytherin. All right, cool. You're in Gryffindor. Why was this decision based off of just what Harry said, or is the Sorting Hat just trying well, to mess with them? But as Dumbledore has said several times throughout the series, it's not. It's not something that makes us who we are. It's our choices. We wish we had more time to cover this, but. But um. We don't right now. This is a good main discussion. Jamie, do you have something to add finally, though? Uh, I was just going to say that there are loads of online people who are new people, really, really nice people, who would like to be in, but wouldn't, aren't bad. You know, I mean, obviously, you compare, since these are people in the real world, yeah. you know, who, who are based off the books, but there are people like that. I mean, I think it, I think it, it would be interesting to be in Slytherin. Okay, so then uh, later during the feast... Uh, Harry gets a sharp pain from Quirrell, which is another major foreshadowing. I mean, just by reading the first few chapters, you get the gist of the whole book and half of the series. And the final thing I think we need to mention about this chapter is the ending. Yes. Right, Andrew? Harry goes to bed, and he gets a dream where Professor Quirrell is in it. He's wearing Professor Quirrell's turban, um, and then Quirrell transforms into Malfoy. Yeah, now, that could be it. And, and we see that green light again. So, what is this? This is the beginning of Harry's pain. Well, Harry's foreshadowing, yeah. truly. Because when I, um, when I very first, when I first read the series, you know, I, I sort of breezed over that, but then when I came back through for a second time, and you reread that part, you think, oh, geez, this is, um, heavy foreshadowing to, uh, to what's yeah, going to happen at big, the end. big thing, really. It talks about turban saying that it's his destiny and all these things and how the thing is that what's significant about the turban is Lord Voldemort's underneath there <laughs> alright so that wraps up this week's chapter by chapter discussion uh, as we keep repeating we are still tweaking it and we decided <laughs> that we are going to start doing one chapter a week two if there's not a lot in them but especially now there's a ton of stuff we keep wanting to talk about so now moving on to the general voicemail questions. We got a few of them for you this week. First, let's take it to Isaac from Los Angeles. Hey, this is Isaac from L.A. And uh, it says in the first book, and you mentioned it in MuggleCast32, 
that um, Harry's father was head boy. How in the world is this possible if he got detentions like every other week with Sirius? Thanks. Bye. Well, there's no requirement that uh, to be head boy, you can't get any detentions, right? And even then, you have enough time. It's true. Next voice, yeah. <laughs> And also, head boy. <laughs> but, but, but also, head boy isn't only about, you know, um, behaving yeah. well in terms of... Uh, you know, keeping within school rules. There's, there's nothing to say that that schools aren't wrong quite a lot of the time. So you also need a strong character that isn't prepared to do the right thing. So sorry that that is always prepared to do the right thing, who's prepared to stand up for people, and all that kind of thing. So it's all about the sort of you know that kind right. of thing for head boy. I think. It isn't only about detentions. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next voicemail. Morgan from Arizona. Hi, this is Morgan from Scottsdale, Arizona, and I was wondering, in book one, when Miss Fig broke her leg, they, Mrs. Um, Uncle Vernon said, why don't we phone Marge? And Petunia said, don't be silly, Vernon, she hates the boy. That implies that she's near enough for her to come over and babysit Harry. But in the third book, she's far away enough to have to stay over at their house for a few days to have dinner. Does that mean she moved, or is it just a mistake? Thanks. Bye. Love the show. People stay over for all sorts of reasons, though. That he, she could have had too much to drink, or something like that. So, I don't, wait a sec. I don't think that implies that she's near enough for her to come no, over and Harry. Basically, she could be on the way towards the zoo. So if the zoo's like 45 minutes away, and Marge is uh, 40 minutes away, and just up the highway from the zoo... They could just quick drop off Harry at Marge's real quick. Great question, though. Uh, next one comes from Eric of Los Angeles. Hey, MuggleCast. This is Eric from Los Angeles. I'm one of your old listeners. I'm an oldie. Um, I'm actually listening to the audiobooks while I'm listening to your show, uh, while you're going through the chapters. I think it's great. But I have a comment about your the, the secrecy of the world, because how many kids have muggle parents? and they're going to Hogwarts, so those muggle parents have to know, and do they tell their, you know, friends and family, oh, yeah, my kid is going to Hogwarts, or, or is there some kind of secrecy agreement that uh, they have to sign from Hogwarts? Like, how do they keep those people away from knowing about that particular world? Because how many of the kids Hogwarts have muggle parents? But anyway, great show. I love listening to your show. Keep up the good work. Talk to you soon. Bye. No reason for an agreement. We've already read that, or we already discussed, I can't remember which one it is, that, um, that there is some knowledge out there. The knowledge being some muggles do know that wizards and witches exist just through family, through direct family members being wizards, etc., etc. All right, so move, keeping it moving along here, next up is Jamie's British joke of the day. Jamie, it's been so long. I hope your joke keeps me... In tears. The first one, and I have um, somebody from the forums, the fan forums, to thank for this. It is um, RM with a smiley face after their name. I don't know how, how, how you can pronounce that, but yeah, RM with a smiley face. And it was, why did the farmer win a Nobel Prize? Because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one you got? Well, hold on, wait a second. What's, what's, well, no, go ahead, Sorry? just do it now. Okay, it was going to be, um, I dreamt last night that I'd written Lord of the Rings, yeah. but when I woke up, I realized I was just Tolkien in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Heard that before. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Okay. Thank you, Jamie. Now it's time for the MuggleCast heartwarming story of the week. This comes from Angela Gardner, 30, of Stockport, England. Have your tissues at the ready, ladies and gentlemen. Angela writes, Hi, just thought I'd drop you a line. I'm currently off working now and expecting my first baby, and I now have plenty of time to listen to your podcast episodes. Just been listening to episode 30, and it's funny in the fact that my baby has really been active while listening to you all. It's like he, she, don't know the sex of the baby yet, has their own opinions on Harry Potter and was more active more times than others. I will keep monitoring movement while listening to you all, and maybe when baby arrives, you might serve as being able to soothe the baby when it gets grumpy. Keep up the good work. Love Angel and Bump, and now MuggleCast is officially... It's a pacifier. Muggle pacif- MuggleCast. Yeah, MuggleCast is officially 
a certified Pacifier. baby soother. <laughs> yeah. MuggleCast, we soothe babies. Any so name name your baby Ben. Name your baby Carl Benjamin. So thank you, Angela from Stockport, England, for your story and best of luck with your child in the next twelve weeks. That does wrap up MuggleCast thirty three. We thank everyone for listening. So next week next week we will be talking about chapter eight of Sorcerer's Stone. So that does it for us. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Chang. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Greg. I'm Greg Porter. I'm from Greg Porter. Go Zaylor's, to my website. Zaylor Studios. ZaylorStudios.com and wrote some crazy book that I hear is at, now available at your local library. We will see everyone next week for MuggleCast episode 34. Good night, everyone. Bye. And for two weeks only, there's a character in all of us, and now you can share your unique character with the world at showusyourcharacter.com. Join now and begin uploading your videos, photos, and profile. You can share a hidden talent, show off your celebrity impersonation, or give the Show Us Your Character community a glimpse into your life. Chat and interact with thousands of other members and get to know some of the characters of the United States. You've got what it takes to be a star. Enter the 2006 Show Us Your Character contest to find out if you're America's most unique character and you can win a chance to be featured on the computer screen, the TV screen, and even the big screen. Enter now at showusyourcharacter.com. Hey, MuggleCast. My name's Katie, and I'm from outside of Atlanta, but I'm in Savannah now, and I listen to MuggleCast all the way here, and it helps me keep my mind off of getting carsick. Thank you so much. Hi, MuggleCast. This is Michelle for Wheaton. I just want to say I love you guys, and I just... I'm sitting in lunch at school and just decided to call you because you're my favorite. Okay. Thanks for being so great. Bye. Hi, this is Casey from Ontario, Canada, and I just wanted to say Cast rocks and Andrew's my idol. Woohoo! Hey, it's Amanda Martin from New Jersey. I just want to say that I love Muggle Cast, my favorite podcast ever. Okay, thanks. Bye.